This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! First-time world champion franchise in the Texas Rangers. Congratulations, Rangers fans. All that money you spent will get you that world championship. Maybe another one. Who knows if you're lucky. Uh, Let's see. So, Devil Rays, Mariners, Rockies, Padres. And then those are the only franchises that don't have a world championship. There's only four left. Yeah. Padres have been around since 69. Rockies. Did you say the Rockies? Rockies do not have a world championship. Been to one World Series. The only the only franchise that hasn't been to a World Series is Seattle. Been around since 77. Rangers franchise, um, that was originally the second Washington Senators. You know, the original Senators uh, moved away and uh, became the Twins. The second Senators moved away after, I guess, what was it, seven years or so, and became the Rangers in 1969. First manager... Ted Williams, legendary splendid splinter, who wasn't a great manager because he hates pitchers. Um, and, heck, they, I mean, they didn't even make the World Series until 2011 and now have a world championship. So it, it wasn't the best World Series. It really wasn't. You had a couple of good games. I missed yesterday because I was traveling to Gainesville. Um, but I, I can get with, uh, I can get with uh, a game that was one nothing until the ninth. And I guess, you know, maybe you kind of thought maybe we'd have a little bit of um, drama for the bottom of the ninth inning, but not so much. Not so yeah, much. Anytime, anytime you can mention Teddy ball game, uh, it, it's always good. Uh, yeah, it wasn't much. It wasn't much of a game, that's that's for sure. The Both pitchers were dealing. It seemed like if all day just kept getting out of jam after jam, Phil, like it would be um, – I, I it, it was just like two or three different times, bases loaded, there would be a couple men on base, and, and uh, Arizona just couldn't get through. Uh, but and then Arizona's pitcher, I think he had a no hitter going through five. I mean, yeah. they were uh, and still it lose. Was, uh, <laughs> it was drama. You were kind of like uh, it's like the the excitement of the build. You know, you just they get kept getting close, uh, and then and then finally they 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 broke through and and Rangers in five. Rangers came up with enough clutch hits and enough home runs, and I guess I wouldn't say it was a matter of luck for Arizona. I look at I look at. Um, a walk in the ninth inning with two outs in game one uh, that gives Texas a little extra life. That's not a matter of luck. That's just the wrong time to walk a guy in front of the wrong hitter, and Sager goes deep to send the game to extras. Uh, and then Christian Walker's, I will call it a base running blunder, you know, forcing the forcing the, the great throw from the incredible outfielder Adonis Garcia. <clears throat> so it's not luck. It wasn't luck. Uh, Texas, the better team in this case. So congratulations, Rangers fans. And I was informed by Brent in Fort Smith, and he is right. I'd forgotten about the Brewers. Brewers have not won a World Series. I think they've only been to one. Uh, 82. 82. Lost to the Cardinals. And Paul Molitor. Bruce Souter. Yeah. Molitor, would, Molitor was on that team. That's right. That's right. Who do you think of when you think of Texas Rangers? Who's the Nolan first Ryan. player that comes to mind? Of course it's Nolan Ryan. Of course it's Nolan Ryan. I Jose Canseco would be up there. Well, the only uh, thing I think of with Canseco and the Rangers is the knuckleball try that, that broke his, that basically, you know, ripped his arm up. And oh, that, no, I, th- I think of the head, the head over the home run that bounced off his head. That's the uh, other one. Ruben, Ruben Sierra. 
would be another one I think of when I think oh, of the man. Rangers. He was so much fun to watch. Yeah, switch hitter with a unique hit, a unique hitting style. Julio and that high Franco. hip. Yeah, Julio Franco. Yeah. Pudge, of course, Justin Texan, Pudge Rodriguez. He would be the one I'd think of after Nolan Ryan. The thing is, though, is Pudge, you know, I mean, he played, I think he played with the Marlins and a couple of other teams when he wrapped up his career, but he's always going to be known for the Rangers. With with Nolan Ryan, it was interesting because I think he he, he might have spent fewer, fewer seasons with the Rangers than any other team in his career. You know, he was with the Mets originally, with them for a while before they traded him to the Angels. That's where he spent most of his career. Then he was, I think, the first million-dollar man free agency signed by the Astros. What was that, 1980? 79 or 80? I think it was 1980. And they didn't get to the Rangers until 89. He was there for five years. Wow. But everybody remembers him with the Rangers because that's where he won his 300th game. That's where he registered strikeout number 5,000. That's where he pitched his seventh no-hitter. That's where he knocked out Robin Ventura. That's where he... That's where he um, Punched Robin Ventura on the top of the head about seven or eight times. Yeah, <laughs> gave him a pop knot. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and, the, and Juan Gonzalez, another one you're thinking of. Notice one thing we're saying here: nobody's mentioning pitchers when they think of the Rangers. Nobody's mentioning pitchers because that's the thing they were always lacking. That's the thing they were lacking last year. That's Mark why Texera. they got where they are right now. Is that they got hey. better pitching? They paid hey. for it. Alex Rodriguez. Again, not a pitcher. You know, I mean, you wouldn't. Pitcher. You just don't think of him. You think Kenny Rogers would be like the first guy I think of before now. You know, and the thing is, is they spent most of their money on Jacob Degrom. Degrom what's threw your, six uh, games for him this year. That's it. Man, why? What's 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 wrong with them uh, doing that to Jacob Degrom? Um, what what's your thought on Araldis Chapman? Uh, how how beast mode is that? Is he overrated, underrated, or rated just 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 right? What are your thoughts on him? Well, I think, you know, he's another one of those. I'm not a fan came, of Chapman. He's had, I mean, he's yeah. had, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's had some violent, he's had a violent history. I mean, domestic I see off the, off, off the field. I got, yeah. did you see where Will Smith has, has pulled the Robert Ory where he, <laughs> yeah. he's won three in a row with three different teams. I mean, how OG is that right there? Mm-hmm. Where, where's he going to be next year? That's the guy I'd be bringing in, not Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. He'd be like following the guy that, that, that the world championship follows around for some reason. To, you know, to win three in a row with the same franchise is a great thing, right? To win three in a row with three different teams? Is he just a middle reliever or is he a, is he a starter? He's been a closer. A closer, I think of him as a middle. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's kind of both of those things. And he's one of the last guys that I've had that's still in the major leagues from the Travelers. I mean, we had, we had Will Smith on our Travelers team in like 2009 or something, and he was traded off the roster to the Royals, and he, I don't think he got to the big leagues for a few years after that. So he's, he's, he's hung around. Dude's like, I think he's 35 or 36 years old, which just goes to show if you're big and you're left-handed and you can throw a lot of strikes, you might have a job in Major League Baseball for a long, long time. 877-377-6963 uh, to uh, get with us here on our McClarty Daniel Hotline. I think the Rangers have most of their pitchers signed for next year too. So, you know they'll they'll be they'll be and and they'll have plenty. I'm sure they'll have plenty of uh, of money from from season ticket sales and everything. Do you see the Padres had to take out like a loan to cover their their uh, their their last payroll, a fifty million dollar loan for the team that had the third biggest payroll in the game. That one kind of came out of uh, out of way past left field. So Rangers won't be in that situation. I think that their finances are fine. 
Now, San Diego definitely uh, underachieved. Now, have they been to a World Series, Phil? Have, have, uh, did Tony yeah, Gwynn to, ever get them to one? They've been to two, 84 and 98. Okay. They, I think the Padres okay. have played in eight World Series games. Uh, I'm sorry, nine World Series games. They've lost eight of them. And and the other thing, what what one thing that I don't think you're ever going to see it see done again, Phil. And and I don't know, baseball's funny, and and they have all these stats that are just you know just cool. Like I love baseball for that. Eleven and O on the road. Yeah, where does that come from, man? What? what yeah, what analytics is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, that's why I don't we, know. That's that's amazing to think about. First of all, to be undefeated on the road in the postseason. Second of all, for it to occur through one, two, three, four layers of playoff games. You know, the Rangers had to play in, the, in their wild card, then the division wow. series, then the championship series, then the World Series. That's four stadiums they went into that wasn't even Globe Life Field and won every one of those games. Who'd they play in the wild card? They had to go on the road, and uh, that's... Uh Man, talk about road warriors right there. That I don't think we'll ever see that again. That was amazing. I doubt it. They beat the Rays. They, they beat they beat the Rays two in a row. Then they beat the Orioles three in a row. You know the 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 American League Championship Series was the wild one where the home team lost every game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so four games at Houston, Texas won all of them, and then um, they beat uh, they beat the D backs three in a row in their own ballpark. So what do they do at home? What do they do at home? You realize that the Rangers played four. Only six road games or six home games in four levels of playoffs. They played six home games. That's it. 11-0 and on the road and to only get six games at home? Wild. Wild. Yeah. And in the stadium that, that hosted the World Series when the Rangers weren't even close to it in 2020. A lot of different avenues you can take, you can take this conversation in. But now the baseball season comes to an end. And the big story, you know, where is Otani going to play next year? That's what that's what's going to be on everybody's mind. I imagine that's going to take a while. Don't have the winter meetings for at least, gosh, I guess another six weeks or so. Um, you know, you is get he the your, biggest the, free agent out there. I think he's the biggest free agent of all time. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Is that well? How healthy is he? That's what you know. Is is he going to be healthy enough to play? But I didn't know if there were any other names. I remember when A Rod was a free agent, how big of a deal it was. Oh man, uh, you you see it more in other sports. I think football or basketball, you don't see it as much in in, in baseball. But well, he'll be courted by everywhere, huh? Where do you think he ends up, dude? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've, for a while, I thought he's going to end up on the coast, just because it's, you know it's. Japanese players most often have chosen to play oh, on to the Seattle. coast. Yeah. You know, whether it's New York or whether it's Seattle or Los Angeles, I mean, those are the places. Maybe San Francisco, but but that's you know that's just what's happened previously. I don't I, I don't know what's in Otani's mind here. I think if I'm him and you have this very unique set of skills, even more unique than Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. um, this, it, part of the fascinating aspect of this is that he's not going to pitch next year. He will hit. You know, he's got, he's got the, the torn ligament again. It's the second time. So you already know that even if he's just a designated hitter, he can, he can help carry a team offensively for a while. Uh, and then when he comes back, when that arm is back and healthy and he can pitch again, I mean, then potentially, I guess you'd have to wonder whether or not he comes back as a pitcher the same way he was before the injury again because it's the second time. Uh, well, wouldn't you, you want you get to get this unicorn? That that was the whole idea during the trading deadline is that you don't know what the market is for a player like that, so it's really difficult to trade him. For the free agency, I think, man, it's 
it might be even more difficult. Someone's going to throw a ton of money at him, that's for sure. Thanksgiving dinner will be memorable this year at the historic Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in Hot Springs. Thursday, November 23rd from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the Venetian Dining Room, you'll have a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12 dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6 eat free. Reservations required. Must have credit card to hold reservations. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com slash dining for reservations and complete menu items. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! Bob, hey, what's going on today? How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Matt's eating barbecue at uh, Roadhog RV Park. How could he be? How could he be unhappy? I'm in Gainesville. Uh, I'm at the uh, campus radio station WRUF. That's that's a kind of amazing. I've been thinking about this a little bit. Um, we occasionally get accused those who work on the Razorback Radio Network and on various talk shows of uh, being given narratives by the athletics department or by people from the university to uh, to uh, disperse those narratives out there. None of those are true. Do you imagine what the accusations would be if we actually worked for an ESPN affiliate, Bob, that was owned by the university? Because that's what this station is. Really? Well, if it, I guess it's the camp. I guess it's the student station. It's, I don't know if it's owned by the university, but I guess they... They were, I remember when we were in journalism school in Missouri, I mean, we had, well, there were two school, well, there, there was an official school paper, and there was like a, a, a little uh, uh, competition of that, and then there was the journalism school paper, which was a daily, and I'm not sure if they were owned, but certainly we had, you know, professors who were editors and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so you're not just reading everything off a sheet you get every day? No, no, we never got never got a daily email from Hunter Yurichek, um or Kevin Trainer or any of the coaches as to what my talking points are for the day. I've never asked for those either. So yeah, I think we all understand how this is uh, supposed to operate, and it does. Um, Bob Knight dies yesterday. Bob, um, I don't know if you ever covered a game that he coached or we were in on any of his press conferences, but you've covered college basketball for a long, long time, and man, there really weren't many. Many, um, many, many people any larger in the sport than Bobby Knight. I wondered how you felt about that today. Well, you actually covered uh, one of his games when he was not in Indiana, but well, actually, I covered a UALR Indiana game at Bloomington like a million years ago, and that would have been probably in the late '80s. And then um, uh, his he brought Texas Tech to North Little Rock. Like in when Stan Heath was like oh seven maybe, and they beat Arkansas the year before Arkansas beating him in Texas night in Texas Tech down in uh, in Dallas. So he coached against the Razorbacks a couple of times when he was at Texas Tech, and yeah, I remember you know Arkansas and, and Indiana were bracketed to play in the nineteen ninety one Southeast Regional Final. Arkansas was the one seed, and Indiana was the two, and. Uh, Kansas messed that up. They beat Indiana in the Sweet 16, and they upset Arkansas in the regional final. Went to the Final Four with Roy Williams. Um, so Nolan Richardson, I, I don't, I don't think Indiana ever played Tulsa when Nolan Richardson was there. So 
uh, almost had an Owen Richardson Bobby Knight matchup in, uh, I think it was Atlanta. And that would have been a lot of fun uh, to see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was around him a little bit. I think I asked him a question or two at that post-game press conference with Tech, and he was he was kind of gruff, but, you know, whatever. And I do remember him coming to Fayetteville in the spring of 94. He, he was going to meet with Eddie Sutton because Alan Robertson and uh, Joe Klein, who played for the Razorbacks, were among like 100-something plus players trying out for the Olympic team. They both made it, which was really, really tough to make that team. It was all college guys, but I'm, Charles Barkley, I know, was one of the guys that was cut, didn't make the cut, but I remember we saw, he pulled into it, we kind of staked out Barnhill, he didn't talk to us, but he pulled in to Barnhill. He had a little sports car, and he, he said something like he'd been at Fort Smith, uh, looking at the judge. Who, who's the judge there? Is judge judge Parker. Judge Parker. He'd been there seeing Judge Parker stuff. And, uh, but he didn't really give us an interview, but he went in and talked to Eddie Sutton. And, um, so yeah, I was, and I was around him at a couple of regionals just in those big press conference settings. But yeah, he was definitely a larger than life person. And, uh, I've talked to some people. Going to have hopefully a good story on this tomorrow. But he had a lot of connections to the Razorbacks. Like I say, Coach Joe and Alvin in the Olympics. Uh, he, Bill Musselman, Eric Musselman's dad, and he were very close, and Eric knew him. He's smart, of course. Arkansas assistant coach played for Bob Knight and hit one of the biggest shots in NCAA tournament history to, to uh, give uh, Indiana what turned out to be his Bob Knight's last championship in 87. Ronnie Brewer played against that Texas Tech team, so a, a, lot, of, a lot of Razorback connections to Bobby Knight, and certainly it's sad news. If you'd you know, followed him in recent years, you knew he was an ailing health and battling dementia, but uh, I know that you can find these videos out there. Um, in 2020, I believe it was, maybe in February, Indiana was playing Purdue, and he finally came back. He, he'd steadfastly, he'd moved back to Bloomington, but he had steadfastly refused to go to Indiana, any Indiana games. He still had a grudge with the administration for firing him, and he finally, all the players, you know, wanted him to come back, and fans and everything and finally he came back and there were about 50 players Keith Smart was one of them if you see the video you see Isaiah Thomas you see some other guys there and he finally got acknowledged at halftime of that game Gene Cady was there you know the former Purdue coach the coach that was an assistant coach race out at Arkansas and that was a very emotional thing he was in ailing health you kind of tell he was kind of you know not moving around real well but still obviously glad that happened uh when it did uh, you know before he passed away because you know that, that's what it needed to happen and they, they finally kind of the, the glacier kind of thought on that bob they uh we, we were talking earlier they, they were talking about how the the general bobby knight had a class on campus up there and and with that the, that talk of uh you know peyton manning uh, teaching a class on campus. It, it, w- which one of those classes would you take, and then who would you take? Like, what would be the guy that if they were coming in to, uh, as far as a coach, it w- who would you want to go sit in their classroom? Well, when I was at Missouri, I actually attended a like a basketball one-on-one class that Norm Stewart taught the Missouri coach. Now, I will say about half the time he had an assistant coach do it, but that that was kind of fun. And I think a lot of us were in there just thinking, oh, this would be cool and real easy, and we get to be around Norm Stewart. So it was pretty hard. I think I got a B. I didn't even get an A. I was kind of embarrassed. <laughs> but uh, it was sort of about, you know, coaching, like how to do practices, how to, you know, uh, r- r- run a practice, how to put a schedule together. You know, okay, I say it was coaching 101, but it's kind of the basics for a coach. 
and I didn't have any aspirations for being a coach. I just thought it would be fun. Of course, I, I later covered Norm Stewart as a student reporter, but yeah, that would be. Real. I'm, I'm sure Bobby Knight would be a pretty tough grader and pretty strong disciplinarian. You, you better not. You better show up. You better not cut class. Mm-hmm. You better not be talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that you, I'm sure he would have been. He was one of the great. I mean, speaking of, he was one of the great teachers. I think of basketball. You know, just um, I saw this on on Twitter last night, so it must be true. That it said that of all the players he coached in Indiana, the only one who was an NBA All Star was Isaiah Thomas. And if you start thinking about it, you know, guys like Keith Smart, Steve Alford, you know, Randy Whitman, you know, yeah. Um, but Ken Benson was a high draft pick, but he wasn't didn't turn out to be a star. You know, Calvert Chaney was he had some good players in the NBA, but not, you know, Hall of Fame type guys, but Isaiah Thomas being the exception, which tells you he he always had a lot of really good players, but not superstars. And honestly the superstars, you know, remember some people may know this, Larry Bird went there and he transferred to the United States. I think just because he just couldn't handle Knight, you know, just and Larry Bird at that time was very shy and and uh, I don't, and he just couldn't handle Knight's personality. I don't think. Well, and obviously, basketball genius. Think about, think about Bobby Knight could have coached Larry Bird for four years, but you know we'll never know what would have happened. But um, but you know I think the way talking to some guys that played for him, just and I, this very rings true with Eddie Sutton too, as far as he's fundamentals. Yeah. How to, how, this sounds maybe crazy. How to, the right way to do a chess pass, a bounce pass, how to set a screen, how to come off a screen, how to fight through a screen, you know, how to uh, pump fake. I just think he was one of the great teachers of basketball fundamentals, and that's why Indiana was always so good. And Texas Tech, you know, he raised a little of that program, too. They were always so good because they were so fundamentally sound. They may have not had as much talent as some teams, but they'd probably be a lot of teams that had more, you know, on-paper talent because they just executed their offense and their defense so well. Well, you know, he ran a clean program, but he was also a bully. I mean, it's just that's just how he acted towards towards reporters, towards broadcasters at times, towards his own players, certainly towards officials. Um, you know, but there's everybody's complicated. I mean, you got to take the good with the bad with people. But he ran a clean program. Not only not only did Indiana never come under any sort of sanctions while he coached there or Texas Tech, there was never even any rumors about that kind of stuff. I mean, it was just understood that's a clean program. Um, and and you balance that against like look at what's going on in Michigan right now, where Jim Harbaugh, man, he's been caught cheating twice now in the last two years or three years. One of them recruiting violations during the COVID era. Now this sign-stealing thing in which he says he's got no clue about it, and that's really a bunch of, 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 of bull crap. Malarkey. So, yeah, I mean, so, I mean... Hooey, yeah. that's a good word. Yeah, that's the right <laughs> way to put it. But, I mean, that's like that's what I'm thinking about here. you got one coach that's got this complicated legacy that just passed away. The complication has everything to do about how he treated people, not how he... Not how not his uh, ability to, to, to strategize or... Or, or coach players. And, you know, all these players he coached graduated. You know, and now you get another guy like Harbaugh, who's obviously a good coach, um, but he cheats, you know, and, and you get a whole fan base that's that's trying to back him up and defend him and everything. And, man, this sign-stealing thing, the more that comes out about it, the more bizarre it gets. Yeah, and getting back to Bob Knight for a minute, um, yeah, he was very complicated. I mean, when, when I talk to people... Um, that's one thing. He's very complex, very complicated. You know, it's funny. He demanded discipline and everything from his players. And if you don't think he's disciplined, because, um, I mean, you have a lot of great, like Landon Turner, people may remember he was a great player. He was paralyzed in a car wreck. And Bobby Knight basically 
made sure that Landon Turner would be taking care of the rest of his life, raised a lot of money to help him out. I've heard stories of how of his, you know, gen- generosity towards people that, you know, he never wanted to publicize. We know about throwing the chair. We know about him getting arrested in Puerto Rico for getting there with a police officer, kind of being the ugly American. We, we know about him, you know, treating his, you know, administration in Indiana with disrespect, which, you know, you shouldn't do. Like, what would he do if one of his players said to him what he said to his athletic director president, you know? But, you know, he's a complicated guy. There was a lot of good. There was a lot of bad, if you want to call it that. But um, it's hard to separate the two. But, you know, you can't, he was a great basketball coach. No, I don't think anybody can dispute that. But and getting back to Harbaugh, yeah, it really strikes me. As, to me, it's a college football version of Watergate. Because if people are old enough to remember, Richard Nixon was not going to lose his uh, re-election campaign. But he cheated, you know, and did all the dirty trick stuff to make sure. And then he covered it up, which made it worse. And then he ended up being the only president to resign. And, um, you know, people may, and I get, you know, sign stealing is, uh, is part of the game. But it's one thing if you're looking at the other sideline, you're trying to pick things up. Just like in baseball, you know, batters trying to steal signs. Our guy out second base is trying to steal signs from the catcher, but if you're filming it from, if you're filming the signs from center field secretly, and then you can break down the film, like what the Astros were accused of doing a few years ago, that's totally different. And you know, Michigan's good. Michigan should not have to cheat to beat, you know, to win games. And you're right. The, the, the more you hear about, it, the worse it gets. And the idea that Jim Harbaugh didn't know—it's kind of like Nixon. Well, you either knew about it or you orchestrated it. Either way, I mean, either you didn't know what was going on in your own program or your own administration, or, or you let it. And either way, it's bad. But you try to tell me this subordinate guy spent thousands of dollars on travel and that wasn't okay, and that he's standing next to these coaches telling them things. I mean, give me a break. I mean, it's clear they cheated, and I don't know if it's going to come back on them or not, but it's a, it's a really bad look for Michigan, and they take a lot of pride in it as much as they want to win. I really wonder if football can, can survive this because it's just it's, it's very scandalous, and it just reflects very poorly on Michigan, which – basically thinks of themselves as an Ivy League school, except for football, of course. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember, to use our promo code believe that's b l e a v for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts passion is something that exists and all of us i know we got a lot of passionate hog fans listening right now and i know that all of you love football season dave bushkel and his team over at eastside liquor are the exact same way they can take care of all your tailgating and party needs whether it's just a few beers or alcohol in bulk stop by 9390 rogers avenue in fort smith to check off every item on your list eastside liquor your number one stop for arkansas football this season Man, this messes me up. I'm in Gainesville, so it's 2 o'clock here, Eastern Time. Matt Jones is in at Roadhog Park in Fayetteville, catty-cornered to uh, Ballmalker Stadium, across from the Food Factory, right next to the um, the worst intersection in the entire state of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know it. You get you get a chance to see that all day long, now, don't you, Matt? And uh, That four-way we'll stop up there, have you been up there? <sighs> I haven't. We are... We've just got awarded a project to, to do some work on that. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. You're so talking to the right man, <laughs> Phil. Yeah. Yes. yeah. 
oh my gosh, I didn't realize that we were actually talking to a hero. It's Murray Klein with APAC Central. You are my hero. You are my hero, Murray. If you're going to do something about that four-corner stop sign, which has never made any sense to me whatsoever, um, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to start... I'm ready to get on my knees and thank you. Thank you so much. How the, when's the ribbon cut? What's the plan? How about come to workforce? That's right. Yeah, how about come to workforce? Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hang on. Yeah, 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 your yeah. construction here. That, you're okay. talking to the wrong okay. people with that. We're just here to talk. Um, well, but first, I mean, you got a big event going on here, and Matt's told me that it's, uh, it's people as far as the eye can see, and he's eating too much. He can't eat anymore. How about you? I've sampled quite a bit. Uh, we have a lot of participation this year from all over the state, from the Asphalt Paving Association, and uh, we've had anything from Wagyu brisket to uh, chicken stuffed peppers to uh, what you, and, you know shrimp, you name it, we've eaten it. So a lot of good food. They, they did have this jalapeno cream cheese shrimp thing that was, yeah, uh, it was sent me uh, a they went quick. They one went of the reasons quick. why I don't like you today, Matt, because you sent me a photo well, of food that I would be eating enough. right now if I was there with you, so thanks so much. Mm-hmm. So how many years have you been doing this barbecue cook-off? Is this a new thing? Is this an event that's going on for a number of years? This is the seventh year we've done it. The second year we've had it in northwest Arkansas. We usually have had it in central Arkansas, but with the growth and everything we've experienced up here, and we've had the opportunity to come here to the Rogue Hog Park for the second year. They allow us to use it on off-game off weekend. So a lot of individuals bring their hunting campers up and spend the night on Wednesday night. Last night we had uh, fried fish for everyone, and then uh, they started cooking early this morning. A lot of them just stayed here, or they stay at the, the uh, Staybridge Hotel down the road and uh, cook all day today, and they're fixing to start judging the different categories between the pulled pork, ribs, brisket, and chicken, I think. Phil, Phil they, they do it right up here. And, uh, you know, the, in, in Arkansas, there's a lot of deer hunters, and they, they got a crossbow out here. I bet y'all y'all get some good contests going on. Probably got a lot of a lot of hunters over here that, that, that like to shoot, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. Those are the raffle gifts we'll give out after a while for uh, people to support the association. You, you buy a ticket to raffle, but uh, this is a, a good cause for our industry and, and for our association as we do it every year. Marie, yeah, you I've seen at least about five people. Five people go by and they're picking up that crossbow, man. There, there's a lot of people eyeing that thing. When are you going to do that, Matt? I, you know how to handle a crossbow. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a lefty. I don't know if that that, that fits or not. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see. You're I got a enough. lefty when oh, it comes I, I to the enough. crossbow, but you're a righty when it comes to throwing anything else. That's it. You shoot based on your eye. So uh, you, you based on your eyesight. And uh, I haven't, you know, I haven't done a lot of shooting in the in the last days. You are you a big hunter? You you get out there in the deer woods? I don't even have a gun, so they have to they I have to borrow a gun when I go hunting. So uh, Fair and, enough. And, and everybody stays away from me. Are you? I a get by myself master. a lot. I would think if you're if you're having uh, we have a barbecue master on every Wednesday. He's also a great college football radio host. Um, do you, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're cobbling together this kind of event that deals with all this, this great barbecued meat, I'm assuming you know how to barbecue some meat. Well, I've got a good team. I've got, uh, I'm, I'm a supervisor, so I don't do the cooking myself, but uh, we have a good team. We've, we've built our own trailer, and a lot of these, uh, uh, the folks from around the state have their own cookers, so it's, uh, it's quite an ordeal. Supervisor and the taster. Supervisor and the taster. That's it. Tell me about the uh, tell me about the uh, Arkansas Asphalt Pavement Association and and what is this event for specifically? It's not just to to get together and and, and barbecue meat, is it? Or is there other aspects that you're uh, you're getting people together for a specific reason? 
Well, the, the Asphalt Pavement Association was started in 1999. Uh, it, it was a spinoff to help, help promote quality asphalt roads across the state and safer uh, roadways from the traveling public. Is mainly to enhance the product, do a lot of research. We work hand-in-hand hand with the university on, on technology and work with RDOT on things to improve our product, um, make it feasible to use. It's a recycled product, so we use it. Uh, you know, try to use this platform to go around the state with and 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 promote our business. Uh, like I said, we've got contracts from all over the state, from Fort Smith. You have Time Stripe in here. You've got a lot of, you got Delta from over there in the northeastern part. So we got Hunt Rogers from the central part. We've got Lionel and Lane Loper up here. So uh, it's uh, it's quite an ordeal. So uh, we have a, have a good time, but we use it. Uh, this is a, an event sponsored by the Young Leaders of the association which it's a, a group under i think 35 uh and so they're they're responsible for having a couple of events a year to promote uh young leaders in our industry and and to promote asphalt so that's great that's great um big razorback fan you're gonna get what do you think about our, i'm in gainesville play football saturday here you know and tell me are you in football mode still or are you thinking basketball as a as a hog fan where's your mindset right now uh, both. I'm a, I'm a football fan. I watched Matt Jones play uh, when he was in college and enjoyed that. Want to get back to those days. Uh, I support the Razorbacks, uh, but it is getting exciting to watch the Hogs. I think they're going to be extremely good this year. Uh, but we still got four games of football left, and we need to sweep those as we as we start Saturday. So look forward to seeing it. We need a we need a little luck. Uh, yep. It's like we we're, we're ready to break out. Uh, it, it's been a it's been a weird year. Uh, you know, no hundred yard rusher yet. Uh, I, I would have never thought that I'd I'd see it see a season like that. So, but maybe we get a play go our way. We get something bounce our way. Uh, get get that big play and, and and maybe we can get some momentum going this week. I hope so. I am a little bit tired of moral victories, but uh, exactly we, right. We, we played well, and I was a little disappointed last Saturday. But uh, hopefully, they'll they'll rebound and come out of Gainesville with a W. So that's that's exactly what we need to get. I gotta get back to get to started for basketball on Monday night. So I gotta get Murray. I gotta get back to this 15th and Razorback uh, intersection thing. Um, when are we get? When are we getting rid of the four? Cor- when are we getting rid of the four? Yeah, you're smiling and laughing about it because you you must agree yeah. with me about this. Everybody has to. It's, when are we getting rid uh, of, of the stop one. signs for crying out loud? Not in your lifetime, oh. no. But uh, uh, but uh, we're starting on it probably in the next thirty days. It'll be a year long project. There's a lot of utilities in the way that we're having to get moved. Uh, so it it'll improve that intersection. I so think. by baseball it's season. Got, it, you know what are we going to uh, be looking be, at once it comes to baseball season? I'm sure there'll be plenty to watch from uh, from the from the booth. Yeah, just don't hit the orange barrels, please. <laughs> That's good but advice. That's yeah, we're going to put concrete in every other one of them. So if, if somebody hits one of the concrete, they'll have a, mm. a damaged car. Yeah, we get it. We get somebody texting in asking, "How do you feel about roundabouts? Are you a roundabout fan? Because they kind of go in. They're here. They're all over Gainesville. They're getting all over Arkansas. Now we're going to see another one up there." Roundabouts have their place. Uh, I think you can overuse them, but, yeah, it's a good way to keep the traffic moving. Uh, so we'll see. I, th- I think Conway kind of leads the state in roundabouts right now. I think they lead the nations, would understand. But, I think they uh, do they're too. starting to become ever so prevalent up here uh, if they're built correctly and, and wide enough to use it. It's funny. It's like, um, you know, New Jersey calls itself the Garden State. It really should have been called the Tollbooth State. you got to be truthful in how you market yourself. Conway calls itself the city of colleges. 
they're really the city of roundabouts, aren't, aren't they? They are the city of roundabouts, yes. Yeah. Be truthful in your marketing. I think that's pretty important. You, you might agree as the head of, uh, of, uh, of APAC, aren't, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> I would. Murray, appreciate you stopping by. Thanks for having Matt out today. And I'll Absolutely. even say thank you for just having the show out there, even though I don't get to eat the food. There you go. Go Hogs. Thank you. Thank you, Murray. Murray Klein. Right. He is uh, the big boss at APAC Central, and uh, they're putting on the Arkansas Asphalt Association Barbecue Cook-Off right now at Roadhog Park in Fayetteville, right across, well, catty-cornered uh, from beautiful Baum Walker Stadium. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Brett Dolan from Touchdown Radio and Arkansas Athletics. Don't worry, Brett. I didn't mean you were going to ruin the show. You're going to do just fine here for the next 15 minutes or so. Just like you did last week when you called Southern California at Cal. And uh, unexpectedly, it, it looked like you might have watched the most interesting game of the weekend last week. I think I watched the most interesting game of the year. I mean, when you, you start to factor in all the craziness, 50-49, to 49 and uh, USC avoids Cal getting a two-point conversion to win. Had, had Cal just kicked an extra point, we would have gone to overtime fail 50-50, each team more than 500 total yards. This doesn't even factor in a game starting late because of protesters at midfield or starting the second half with the first or the last play of the second half 20 minutes later before we kicked off. So there was, there was enough nonsense to uh, fill up a, uh, a notebook full of uh, stories, but it was, it was wildly entertaining. Why did, why did they begin the second half with the last play of the second quarter? <laughs> what happened there? Well, USC threw a pass, and they were hoping to have oh, a second left to call timeout and kick a field goal, and they said, nope, they ran out of time. So they go into the locker room. They don't start the halftime locker or the, the clock, the countdown. And while they're in the halftime locker room, they're looking at multiple angles and they think, wait a minute, his knee did touch. There should be a second. So they call the coaches out and say, by the way, we're going to have to have a field goal try before we kick off to start the third quarter. The best part was, Phil, the USC kicker comes out. He must have tried it 20 times. The long snapper, the holder, they're out there, they're kicking, kicking, kicking. 
Sure enough, 25 minutes later, he misses the kick. And then we have the kickoff to start the third quarter. It was uh, one of a kind. Well, who you got this? The, uh, go okay. ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was. Brett, the uh, the 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 playoff poll finally came out, and uh, I, I was just going to get your thoughts on that, and, and and if you thought that Oregon was the best one loss team they had, but Oregon is the the best one loss team, and in, in LSU as the the best two loss team. If you agreed with those, I do, and I, I think Oregon. The funny part is, Oregon's playing better than Washington, even though they lost to them. Texas is playing better than Oklahoma, even though they lost to them. So I'm not surprised. You know, the worthlessness of this first poll is that you have to go on resume. And, and Ohio State's had two nice wins at Notre Dame against Penn State. Things will leave it out once some of these backloaded schedules start kicking in for Michigan or Michigan-Ohio State go head-to-head. Uh, it does seem, though, Matt, that the, right now there are six teams for four spots. And the two Pac-12 teams could uh, kind of decide it amongst themselves. The two Big Ten teams could do the same. Right now, Texas and Oklahoma are on the outside. Alabama's on the outside. And I'm not saying a team outside the top six couldn't get their way into the top four, but it does seem like we've had a little bit of separation. And you could kind of see a path to maybe the Big 12 not being in and, and the Pac-12 just hoping that they get one team in. Brad, you've been in on some of the most interesting topics on in college football, really, over the last couple of the weeks. I mean, you called Michigan's 49 to nothing win at Michigan State. That's not an interesting game, but... The, the scouting scandal really exploded that week. You see this crazy game in Berkeley last week. Now you're going to the Big 12 for the next couple of weeks. You get maybe the last Bedlam game ever this Saturday. I mean, so uh, I would expect it's a great game. And honestly, I think Oklahoma State's got a really good shot in this one. Well, I do too. Ollie Gordon's been amazing. He's probably the best running back in, in college football. And a guy who, during their loss to South Alabama, when Oklahoma State was crushed by South Alabama, carried three times for 12 yards. And right now he's leading the country. He's had a couple of multiple 200-yard games. And it's going to be curious because I always enjoy the subplot of college football, sometimes as much as the game. And obviously in Oklahoma, the storyline has to be the last bedlam. And I will say that Coach Gundy and Coach Venables have done an amazing job trying to downplay this as best they can while the entire state does anything but. And even Gundy finally said this week, I don't think we'll ever play again in the regular season. Maybe in a bowl game, we'll play again sometime in the bowl game, whatever, down the road. But for, for this state, this is, this is what's terrible about this consolidation in sports. It's the rivalries. I mean, last week, USC and Cal had played each other 110 times. Who knows if they'll ever play again? And who knows when we'll have another bedlam again, and it certainly won't be in the regular season. So uh, I enjoy the subplot, and, and I will say, if Oklahoma State gets a lead or they have a chance to win late, that's going to be an atmosphere probably unlike any I've seen because of the hatred. And, and I saw a little bit of that a decade ago, or I guess two decades ago, when A&M and Texas stopped playing because they haven't played since. It's a shame, and the only thing that's bringing them back together is being in the same conference. So for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, it, it, it's sad it has to come to this, but I know I will enjoy the spectacle of, of what could be the final bedlam. Brett, we know, uh, you know Saban talks about having, having more relief than joy uh, getting victories, and, and we see one of his, his protege, uh, you, you know, you see Dabo Sweeney out at Clemson uh, right now, and, and the sky's kind of falling out there. Uh, it, what, what is going on with Clemson? Are, are they still a top-tier program, or, or, or is, is Dabo's days numbered? 
Well, I don't think they're a top-tier program anymore. I mean, they're kind of living on the fumes of a couple of national championships. And, and man, I think it was the first week we had this conversation, or maybe week two, and you said to me, of the, of the two great coaches from not that long ago, Saban and Dabo, which one's in the most trouble or in jeopardy? And I said Dabo, and I'm glad I did because whether it's his reluctance to change a little bit, whether the fact that his former D.C. is now coaching Oklahoma probably doesn't help, but the true mark of these great coaches is how do they adapt? And I think what Coach K did in basketball with Duke, the kids changed, and he had to change. And, and you're recruiting a different uh, kid than you were 20 years ago or 30 years ago. How do you stay kind of ahead of the game, so to speak, or ahead of the curve? The great ones can figure out how to do it. And, and I thought Dabo, with his relationships and his communication style, would be somebody that could do it. But he's had a rough couple of years, and, and quite honestly – they're no longer relevant in a conference that's really kind of searching for relevancy. So when you look at programs, there have to be 15 more than you would throw out there that are consistently uh, a 9-11 to 11 game winner. And right now Clemson's kind of on the outside looking in. And it, it, it's weird because they were so dynamic, but maybe it's because they had two great quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson can, can really elevate a program, and right now they do not have anything close to that type of quarterback. Well, that's a good point, too. I mean, you think of those receivers they had, too. They had some defensive ends, but, you know, Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, they, they, yeah. they had some talent. They're not getting the same talent there anymore. They aren't, and, and I guess that's a question you have to ask. I mean, sometimes you, you understand why you're winning when you have great players, but then why does the pipeline stop? Do you, mm-hmm. Are you losing coaches that are your evaluators? Are you making bad decisions? Are you not making the right decisions? And then the other part is well, the one thing that, all these coaches are dealing with right now. It's one thing to miss on a recruiting class. That portal is there for you. And Clemson, well, you know, I just said they're probably not in the top 15 of programs. They should be at a top eight or nine list of programs that have a lot to offer when it comes to facilities, possible NIL, a path to the college football playoff coming out of the ACC. But they've not figured out how to articulate that to kids to get them to come in to fill the gaps that uh, they're no longer getting these, these top-tier players. Brett, give me some thoughts on the World Series. Uh, this was an interesting postseason. We had a team go 11-0 and on the road through four levels of playoffs. That's kind of amazing. Um, so, and it's, you know, and it's you and I both know people with the Rangers and I think with the D-backs too. So it's not like I was rooting for one or the other. Um, I, I, I kind of was rooting for Arizona just because I liked the way they played, the small ball and everything, but that all went away in the last few days and i wonder what you thought about was was christian walker testing adolis garcia's arm uh the turning point of the series because it certainly seemed like it was to me i suppose it's easy to point back to that i think arizona just failing to hit enough in these last three games it's it's hard to imagine a, a texas ranger team that that probably lost their best player in adolis garcia to injury and probably their most recognizable starter to injury in the same game and, and just don't miss a beat and Phil, we talked last week. I don't know if you and I, we can watch baseball for another 30 years and not see a seven-game series like we saw in the ALCS where the road team wins all seven games. I don't know if we'll ever see a team go 11-0 and in the postseason. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, just crazy to think about winning every single road game. And Bochy said it best, I think, this morning on SportsCenter. Last series of the year, a four-game series in Seattle, all they have to do is win one more game they're division champs. They come home. They have a few days off. They lose three. They have to fly to freaking Tampa Bay and start a series in a couple of days. And what should have been kind of a death note for them t- turned into something that propelled them forward. I, you know, you know, Arkansas baseball is one of the best in the country 
But they don't go 11-0 and through the SEC going to play at LSU or Ole Miss or Mississippi State. You expect a few losses, but credit to the Rangers for being able to win away from home because we, we may never see that again or, or we won't for a very, very long time. A big one. Uh, there's a couple big ones in the SEC uh, this week, but LSU-Alabama, uh, as big as they come, LSU wins this game. They control their destiny uh, to, to represent the, the West there. Do you, do you think LSU can go into Alabama, or you think Alabama can at least put up the points that LSU can put up with this week? It does feel like Alabama has had enough to win some games. This is uh, quietly, Matt, maybe the best game not getting a lot of attention outside of, say, our region of the country, because whether it's Georgia maybe facing an adversary in Mizzou or you've got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, even Kansas State, Texas, a ranked matchup, and, and then Washington, USC out west, there's some really good ranked matchups. But this is a fun one because, you know, Bama's probably not as strong as they have been. LSU has the better quarterback. But uh, I'd be hard-pressed, or at least I'm not going to pick against Alabama until they, they force me to because I think Saban revels in trying to figure out ways to win games when he doesn't have – the talent he did from a couple of years ago too because now it's more on him than it is his players and uh and he's he's come out on top a lot more often than not so i would probably still watch this game and feel like lsu needs to make a, a step forward and, and, and win but they're on the road and 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 alabama's still alabama but uh this is a, that's a really quietly good game this week in the top 20 well you saw lsu beat mizzou you've seen georgia beat auburn any shot for uh the Tigers to take down the Bulldogs in Athens this Saturday. I think there's a chance, but I'm only saying there's a chance. Right. I mean, there, there's a possibility. There's a chance. And you know, we've talked a couple of times. I felt like Mizzou should have knocked off LSU, and, and that would make this rivalry or this game at least much more attractive. But one thing about Georgia, there's been a couple of times where it's looked like they've been sleepwalking this year, and when they've had to wake up, boy, they have, and they put forth some of their best performances. And Without Brock Bowers for the foreseeable future and with a quarterback who's still not as good as what they've had in the past with, with Stetson Bennett and others, um, I, I will w- be watching this game as best I can because I want to see if Mizzou can, can make that step forward. But I still think Georgia is, is the team to beat. And, and, and it's possible that they go through this year and they win a lot of close games after winning a lot of games in impressive fashion last year and have the same result, even though probably don't get quite the style points that we're used to them putting up. Brad, I'm going to play a quick game with you. First Texas Ranger you think of. Mine's Jim Sunberg. How about you? Well, you, you took mine because he's a Hawkeye and Jim Sunberg. Uh, probably Pudge because he was one of my favorites when I got a chance to be with him for a year or two. Uh, Jeff Burroughs would be another one, but I'd, I'd have to pick Pudge. Why are we thinking catchers originally? Because I was a catcher and I had a Jim Sunberg mitt. That's why I'm thinking him. That's the only reason I'm thinking him. <laughs> <laughs> he took Iowa to the College World Series. That'll never be done again either. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.